Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it will encourage you and help you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more. Oh, it's so great to hear everybody enjoying saying hello to one another. So great to be in the summer together. If you're a guest with us today, by the way, a special welcome to you. Anytime you like, you can go onto our website, and we have a button there that says sign our guest book. We have a virtual guest book. We hear from people all the time. We'd love to hear from you. If we haven't yet, maybe you're visiting from out of town, maybe you're from town, have some questions. How do I get connected or learn more about this church family? This is a great way for you to do it. Of course, talk to any of our team and volunteers today. We'd love to meet you also after the service out in the lobby or outside. A few things that we would just want to acknowledge and celebrate as a church family, um, some recent highlights. First of all, uh, I am just so proud of the team spirit that lives in this church. I can take no credit for it myself. God has done a great thing. There have been previous leaders and pastors who have sown into uh, a volunteer spirit in this church. You know that for a church our size, we are punching well above our weight class, and we have uh, at last count... um, The number of volunteers we have who serve on a regular rotation is 93, 93 volunteers. I think that's fantastic. This uh, last Sunday, uh, we invited all those who are on a regular volunteer schedule to join with us at one of the local beaches, and we just had a great time uh, eating together and celebrating. Volunteers, many of you were not able to be there. I think there was about 50 of us that gathered together last week. If you're part of the other 43 or so, we had a gift for all those volunteers who serve on a regular schedule. Uh, It's a copy of this book called Gospel Fluency. It's an excellent, excellent book. It's very helpful. And if you didn't get your copy of this, uh, volunteers, if you go to the debit terminal and leave a gift of $1,000 or more... uh, No, no, it's free to you. (laughs) But we have these uh, and the list of our volunteer roster at the debit terminal. So following the service, if you miss getting your copy, please go to the debit terminal and uh, just give them your name and say, I didn't get my book. Could I have a copy of that? Could we just all show appreciation one more time to all the volunteers who serve in our church family? And then another very exciting piece of church family news. Big congratulations to Pastor Clay and Chantille, who were married yesterday. And Pastor Laura and I and Trevor and Kim were down for the wedding. They're off on their honeymoon, and they will be in town. Parents of teenagers, Pastor Clay and Chantille, will be here for a special event. I believe it's on the 20th. Check your inboxes, check online, special event where Pastor Clay wants to meet your teenage kids, but also moms and dads, he wants to spend some time getting to know you. There's a special event on the 20th that we're looking forward to, and then he'll be speaking on the last Sunday of this month. We'll look forward to meeting him together and welcoming them. Uh, Just in case somebody could help with this, they have, as everybody knows, it's a bit of a tricky time to get housing. God has provided a great housing opportunity for them. They can only move into their place. It seems uh, August 17th is around the time that they can. They get on the ground here later this month. So if anybody knows that you're going to be away on holidays and your house is going to be empty and you'd appreciate some house sitting from some great new pastors who are newlyweds, 
uh, Pastor Clay and Chantille would love to serve your home in that way. So <laughs> July 17 through August 17, if you know you're going to be gone for a few days or a week or two in that time, could you let our office know? And what we're going to do is hopefully just sort of string together a few homes that they can stay at. Um, some of you, I'm sure, are very nice and you think, well, they can just stay with us. And if worst comes to worst, then we'll look at those options. But they're newlyweds, so we think they should have their own space. Hey, amen? Let's give them their own space if we can do it, all right? So let's help them find a place to hang their hat for uh, a month before they get to move into their home. One other thing that we just wanted to put in front in case somebody could help with. Uh, when we have camp, which is now 11 days away at Sela, right here in town, um, our speakers, the Penningtons, um, they're hoping to camp on site with us at the camp facility. They are prepared to tough it out with tents and all of that, but I said, Mike, would you like me to see if there's anybody who could lend your family an RV just to use for that uh, stretch of days? He's going to be speaking during the camp, and so it's a little easier to prepare maybe behind the closed door of an RV than behind the thin, uh, you know, whatever material of a tent. And so I just said, I'd put it in front of the church to see, and he said, Done deal. If anybody wants to uh, help us with that, we'd be glad to. So if you uh, maybe are not planning to attend the camp yourself, uh, but you do have an RV that they've got four children, but we'll just stack them in there. It'll be no problem. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you're like, well, they could borrow ours, please contact the church. Let us know. Maybe you know of somebody else not part of our church family, but we could you know, borrow theirs. Uh, let us know. Or maybe you just say, I would sponsor that and rent one or something like that for them. Let us know about that. Speaking of camp, it is 11 days away. We're very much looking forward to it. There's going to be all kinds of games and activities. There's going to be special services. We need you to sign up in advance. If you're planning even to just drop in for services or games, because we've been, uh, last year and this year, we continue to sort of turn up the dial on what we get to offer at camp. There are some fees for those experiences, and when you sign up in advance, we know how to best prepare for that. So please do that online. If that's not a simple uh, thing for you, or you'd rather talk about that with somebody, you can phone the office and we can get you registered over the phone as well. <sighs> I have one more thing to talk about, but I had to sort of catch my breath. Announcements are terrible, aren't they? It's really the worst part of the service, but you try your best to make it kind of come alive for you. One thing I wanted to share with you, and if you've been part of our church family for the last year and a half, you've heard this a couple times already. It's become part of my practice as a lead pastor. Anytime I've served in a lead role in a church, uh, I feel that there's a topic to at least give a few moments of consideration to once or twice a year. I grew up in a church environment that never really talked about the subject of alcohol or substances. And in that context, a lot of times things of that nature were kind of just sort of stuffed to the side or kept in secret, especially if there was a problem or a concern. And one of the reasons that it maybe wasn't talked about, at least in my church upbringing, was we didn't really know what clearly we could or should say from Scripture on it because some of this falls into what is in a gray area in Scripture. And so uh, I, I feel like it's worth the risk for me to at least offer a few things that could be helpful. So usually every year, heading into summer and then heading into Christmas time, when sometimes you know, we might find ourselves at parties or events or holidays or whatever, it's a, it might help you to just hear a few things that can um, serve your decision-making in this. When I share these things, I have six thoughts really quickly to share with you. I don't share these to steer anybody who um, practices abstinence on alcohol or something like that. I don't, I don't share this to steer you towards alcohol and, or vice versa. But I just think I want to offer a few things that are helpful. So buckle up. Here's six thoughts that I think could help you. Number one, uh, if you do drink, enjoy responsibly and reasonably. 
Number two, uh, if you do drink, realize that without boundaries, discretion, or premeditated decisions, uh, alcohol and substances can easily become a slippery slope. And so it's wise to sort of know ahead of time, if you're going to have a drink or something like that, you know the number, you know, this is when I stop. Uh, because if you don't have that sort of built into how you make decisions, at some point the substance kicks in and starts making those decisions for you. And that can lead to pain and challenge. Number three, uh, although there is some, you know, some would say gray area in scripture on the subject, God clearly defines drunkenness as sin. And he does this for our own good. Uh, God is not a cosmic killjoy, and he wasn't up in heaven one day and saw the first person get drunk and thought, what? Well, that looks way too fun. Uh, I got to outlaw this and ban it. No. Um, he knows the harm that can happen to an individual or others because of drunkenness and because of care for his creation and for his loved ones. He offers guidelines like this. Giving up your own control to a substance is dangerous territory. And so scripture is clear on that. Fourth, uh, and I think this is very important, if you do drink, do not mix alcohol or substances with anger or pain or don't rely on it for celebration. If you wonder or worry, maybe I rely on it for celebration, just plan the next time you're celebrating or at a party or something not to partake, just to sort of prove to yourself, that's right, I, I don't rely on this for celebration. Um, and if, if you find yourself doing this and you're unable to stop that pattern, please reach out for help. There's no shame in that. Um, I need to let you know, and I'm not going to mention any names, obviously, but in a church like ours, we have several absolutely heroic people who have faced substances or other things that have become very destructive in their life, and they've reached out for help. And they're in regular support systems that help just nurture along ongoing wholeness, help, and freedom. And some of you know who you are, and you're like, oh, he's talking about me. And I know some of your stories, and I celebrate with you in your freedom. And then there are others, and maybe this area is a bit more secretive, and it's destructive, and you haven't reached out and asked for help in any way. Um, our pastoral staff want to be safe people for you. We're never going to shame you or embarrass you. We just want to come alongside and help. There are great programs. There are great support systems to help people find freedom and hope when they're battling very real habits or addictions. And so that's important. Number five, um, abide by local laws, especially concerning driving. Don't try to be a hero or something like that and think, I'll be fine. No, uh, call a taxi or a friend or something like that. If for some reason, uh, for whatever reason, you've consumed more than you should have, don't, um, don't let shame think, well, well I, I, it'd be too embarrassing to call a taxi or a friend. No, um, let's be good members of our community. And then lastly, the Apostle Paul offers some really great advice, and this is the best advice I can give. Um, he says in Ephesians, do not be drunk on wine. Uh, drink good craft beer instead. <laughs> okay, that's, my, that's the Mike Vidal Amplified uh, translation, no. You know, I've used that joke, this is now the third time, and it gets a good laugh. So as long as we have some new people in our church, I'm going to bring it up at least twice a year. At some point, there might be more groans than laughter, so uh, I'll, get, I'll take the message at that point. But no, he says, do not be drunk on wine. But then he says this, and this is so important, I want you to hear this. Don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is no greater substance or experience 
for anyone on earth to know than the very presence of God living in us. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for you? (laughs) Father, I want to thank you for our church family. I want to thank you for the great gifts you give us in this world, food, drink, etc. And Father, uh, I'm trying to tiptoe through a tender topic, and I'm praying that those who need help in this moment would have a new courage to reach out. Father, uh, overcome and defeat all shame that whispers lies to people's souls in moments like this. Thank you that you are a God of healing. You are a God of help. And right now, we pray for the greatest gift, the greatest experience, the greatest substance, which is to know your very presence in and upon our lives. Would you refresh us in your Holy Spirit this summer season? We pray this in your strong name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for the message today. Good morning. We don't get to do this very often, but I want everybody to cheer. Not yet. And I'm going to do like... If you're from the 11 o'clock, the 9 o'clock service, give me a cheer. And then if you're from the 11 o'clock service, give me a cheer. And let's just see the representation, okay, of, of who's here. So if you're here from the 9 o'clock service, would you let us know this morning? And the 11 o'clock, though smaller, I know we are mightier. Can we hear from you this morning? Yes. <laughs> and online. Can we hear from you this morning? (laughs) Everybody at home is yelling at the screen. Oh, well, how nice it is to be together, all together in one space, and happy Canada Day long weekend. What a privilege it is to live in this land. What a privilege and a gift. That's not what I'm preaching about today. I am preaching about the gospel and why I still need the gospel. My hope for today is just simply to um, remind us, for us to remember together the power and the transformational work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and why It is for the moment of salvation and for every single moment thereafter in our lives. So this will be a simple message today. It might even be a short message, but what we're going to do, just so you know, I like knowing ahead of time so there's no surprises. Uh, I'm going to share a few thoughts, and then we're going to just have a time of worship together and just enjoy the presence of Jesus. And in that time of worship, we'll also enjoy taking communion with one another. And then we'll pray and we'll go home and we'll bring the gospel and the truth and life of Jesus Christ along with us. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, strong one. Thank you, King Jesus, that you are here. Thank you that no longer do we have to prove ourselves worthy to be in your presence, but that when you came and you died on that cross and the curtain was torn, that you were forever saying, I am here now, I am with you, and we don't have to beg you to come and be with us, but that you are here right now in this place. And so instead of asking you to come, we prepare our hearts and we say, here I am, King Jesus, I'm here. My heart is open. Would you speak to me this morning? 
Help me in your name. Amen. Amen. So, you all have heard of the term worldview. Um, we know, you know, sometimes it's easy to pick out other people's worldviews. We have uh, realists and idealists. We have conservative and progressive worldviews. We have optimistic and pessimistic worldviews. A worldview is a, it's something that uniquely encompasses all of our assumptions, all of our beliefs, and from the very most mundane things in life to the most profound. When you have a worldview, it impacts all of your thoughts. Athletes, they are, especially the elite ones, some of us older athletes may not think through this worldview anymore, but when you think about an elite athlete, every decision that they make is filtered through the lens of how will this impact my sport, my craft, my art food that they eat, the liquid that they drink, the time they spend on the couch, the time they spend exercising, the time that they do with travel, all the things. Their alarm clocks are set not frivolously, but with purpose and intention. Musicians, if you're a musician, you live, breathe, talk, sleep, music. When you hear a horn honking, you're trying to figure out what key. <laughs> that horn is honking in, if you're like me. When you hear the school bell ring or a fire alarm, you're like, I think it's A flat, but I'm not sure. Everything that we think through goes through that filter. Vegans. <laughs> I mean, we often hear from vegans the most, their worldview, right? They don't, I'm sorry, if you're a vegan in this room, God bless you, and it's okay. But us foodies, you know, those of us who love food, we live, breathe, and sleep thinking upon what the next ingredient is or what the next thing we can throw in our Traeger is to smoke it to all of its glorious goodness. What is the most important filter as believers? I want to invite you today to think about the gospel. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most vital and important worldview and filter in which we see, speak, think, hear, and respond to everything in life. So when I ask myself today, what's one thing I want everybody in this place to know? I want you to know that the gospel is not just an entryway in, through salvation into the kingdom. It's not just about eternal life. But it's about its transformational power that applies to every area of our lives, every day. And when we behold that, it is absolutely life-changing. Not just in a moment, but forevermore. Jesus is everything. He's everything. We talk a lot about Jesus in this church. And, you know, we believe in the, the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And wholeheartedly we believe in that. But I want to just point out today that Jesus is everything. 
Jeff Vanderstelt said that God is intent on making everything about Jesus because it is through him that all things came into existence and it is in him that everything is sustained. Ephesians 1 verse 22 says, as I scroll on my, with my finger, and God placed all things under his Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I want to read to you just a little snippet from Colossians on Jesus. This is Colossians 1, verse 15. Be encouraged by this this morning. The Son is the image of God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to, recognize, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death to present you holy in sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Isn't that encouraging? In all things, he is in all things. He holds them all together. Once you and I were alienated, but no longer are we. And we can hold on to that hope. So who is Paul writing to? Is he writing to unbelievers? No. He's writing to the church. Why was Paul reiterating the gospel to the church? It's because the church was supplanting Christ's supremacy and centrality in creation, in revelation, in redemption, and within the church. Jesus Christ was being replaced with good and trustworthy things that we can apply to our lives, but the supremacy and the centrality of Christ was being set aside and other distractions and other things were coming into the church. And so Paul was saying, hang on a second, let's talk about the supremacy of Christ. That word is a little bit intimidating these days because when we, th we think about it, we often associate it with a negative thing. But you can be sure that in this situation, the supremacy and the centrality of Jesus Christ is nothing but good news. My friends, the gospel is not just a story to trust one time. It's not just a door into create, uh, Christianity. You and I need to return to the gospel. We need to take time 
daily and as a fellowship, as a family, to remind ourselves of the good works of Jesus Christ and how it has transformed our lives. We have to remember from which we have been saved. When we do this, I'm reminded that what a relief it is that I have Jesus. When I go through a troubling time or a season of darkness in my life, what a relief it is that I have Jesus to walk through that with me. It's not a promise that all of our problems will go away, but it's a promise that we can have fullness in our lives and walk through the seasons and the trials that we do, knowing that somebody is there with us, loving us, guiding us. When we remind ourselves of the gospel, we're also compelled to have empathetic love and action for other people. You know, I, as a, I've been a Christian my whole life, essentially. Um, I wasn't born a Christian, but uh, I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church, and uh, it was a big church with a lot of pastors, and um, it was wonderful, wonderful experience. I became a believer at a very young age, and it was at a, um, a puppet concert uh, by, by a woman named Marilee Dawn. You might actually know her. So I found Jesus when I was probably about three or four years old. But the gospel has to become real in our lives. We can make a decision when we're young, and we can live our whole lives according to some good principles we learn in Sunday school. But how now, as a young adult, as an adult, how is the gospel applying to our lives every single day? When we take time to consciously think about that, it changes the way that we think. It reminds us of our sinful nature and what we still need the gospel for. So the first and most important thing to do is to remember to remember what God has done. John says some great words in the book of John, verse nine, chapter one. The true light that gives light to everything, to everyone was coming into the world. This is Jesus. He was in the world and through the world was made, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was jeepers. I'm like not able to read this morning. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him and those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh. Jesus is the word and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That's a little reminder. I'm going to read another little reminder because it's good to be reminded. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. I'm just giving you guys time to flip there. I can hear those pages. So that's really what I'm doing right now is just giving you that time. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Amen? Let me give you one more excellent reminder of the gospel. 
and what it means for us. Ephesians chapter two. As for you and me, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live and when you, when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, because it is by grace that we have been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the come in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He says once again, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by our works so that no man can boast. For you and I are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good things, which God prepared for us in advance to do. We were dead in our sin, you, me, and now we're alive in Christ. But sometimes we can kind of, uh, if, if we don't, accept the gospel as a daily transformation in our lives, we can kind of just become mostly dead, <laughs> but not quite because we prayed that prayer. Have you, I don't know. I can't even remember what movie it's from. Yes, yes, you guys. He's mostly dead. Yes. He's not dead fully, but he's mostly there. We have the opportunity to be more than just mostly dead to be alive now in Christ by his grace. So what does that mean? I'm gonna use a big word and it's called sanctification. We have salvation by which we pray and we accept and hand over our lives to the work of Jesus Christ where we commit ourselves. And then for the rest of our lives, we are on a continuing process of sanctification, which is a big word for becoming like what you believe in. It's a big word for becoming like Jesus. And whether or not it's intentional, you and I are being sanctified every single day of our lives. But if we lose focus of what we believe in, we're being sanctified, becoming what we believe in, in something else that is not Jesus. We become fluent in the news. Our worldview changes. We become fluent in complaining. Our language changes. We become sanctified in the wrong direction. You can be a sanctified gossiper, my friends. Not in a holy way. But when we keep Jesus at the forefront, when he becomes our worldview, when we remind ourselves daily and we learn to be fluent in the language of Jesus, we become sanctified to become more like him. Becoming sanctified is not a denial of our feelings or ignoring a situation. It's seeing the fruit of our relationship with Jesus in these situations. 
So when you're going through grief, like I said before, Jesus is with us. It's not slapping a righteous anger sticker on our rage and passing it off as holy. Sanctification is surrendering our anger and our frustration to the Lord and saying, what am I missing here? Help me see. You can be a, a, like there's a difference between um, aged, like an old Christian and a mature Christian. Um, Kind of like, I was gonna use an example of cheese, but I won't. Um, (laughs) Because really, actually, a really good aged cheese smells really terrible, but it tastes delicious. But anyways, it doesn't even really apply, and now I'm just thinking about cheese. (laughs) I'm an old Christian, but it doesn't mean that I'm a mature one. A mature believer is one who you look at their life and you can see the fruit of the Spirit alive in their life, in their situation, in their attitudes. Friends, we can become old Christians, aged Christians, and still lack spiritual maturity. Finding that place, getting to that place, is spending the time so we know the language of Jesus and asking him daily, reveal yourself to me. Reveal myself to myself. Show me the areas that I need to surrender to you. I wanna be a mature believer, one who's humble, who surrendered before the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised in John 14 that when he left, he would give us the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't leave us alone when he returned to the Father. And so the fruit in our lives, the fruit that comes when we are with the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. And you and I probably learned the fruit of the Spirit in Sunday school. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You were like me, I have songs, and now that song will be in my head for the rest of the day. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit, when we are connected to the Holy Spirit, our lives bear fruit. And as a mature believer, we should be bearing fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I have been on a journey myself, a lifelong journey of Um, learning what it means to apply the transformational power of the gospel in my day-to-day life. And it never ends. It never stops. Because we always will be faced with attitudes and situations in which our, our natural self wants to respond in a way that doesn't align with the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) I remember in grade 12, I was at a new school, by choice, I, I switched high schools, and I was taking biology, um, and I, I got partnered up with this girl. I didn't know a person in that class at all, so I needed a buddy, and she didn't have a buddy, and I learned later that there was a reason this girl didn't have a buddy. <laughs> um, when it got time to dissect the pig, it was 
it was already gross. I mean, I kind of liked it because I was weird like that. I, I wanted to be like in the sciences and stuff, which changed very quickly after that experience. Um, actually, a lot due to her. <laughs> Because the jokes and, the, and the, the language that she used was absolutely vile. Like, like I, I can put up with a lot, but it was hard to sit and, and the jokes that she was making about this pig that we were dissecting and the daily, like we had the class every single day and just the things that would come out of her mouth. And I just remember thinking, oh, what? Like, this is... I just applied all of my human judgment that I possibly could on her, essentially, <laughs> in my self-righteousness. I had her uh, figured out, right? But there came a moment where I just said, Lord, I'm not going to survive this class with this partner um, if you don't help me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was able to see that from the place where this was flowing from. Uh, she actually was several years older. She hadn't graduated, so she had been like having to repeat grade 12 several times over. And I just asked the Lord, God, what, what am I not seeing here? Show me. And my heart just broke, and I realized there's a lot of pain here. This is coming from somewhere. You don't just get to this point in your life and without a reason. And so I just began to pray every day when I walked into that class. And it was simple. And I just said, God, help me. Help me see. Help me see what you see. Help me see what you see. And we became friends. And Jackie, um, she's here today. No, it's not Jackie Sargentson. <laughs> oh, it's definitely not. Different city. Um, Jackie ended up driving me home after school a lot of days. And what ended up happening was she, you know, I just, I had to put up with so much, like, oh, roughness. <laughs> um, but she began to soften as I just kept asking the Lord to help me see. And I remember driving home with her one day, and we got to talking about her situation. And she just began to weep crying and she's like I don't even know why I'm crying right now this is so embarrassing she had a really tough persona that she was trying to live up to and I got to pray with her and I didn't even get to lead her to the Lord but I got to pray a blessing over her and for her situation and for God to to help her and to be with her and just share some hope with her that's in no way to puff myself up I was struggling and I am so thankful that when I surrender my pride, <laughs> when I ask the Lord for his help to help me see the way that he sees, all of a sudden I'm aware of my own attitudes and how my humanness is judging the situation. And I can repent before the Lord for those attitudes and then trust in his goodness and grace and mercy to show me the way. And let me tell you, if you ask God how he sees a person, the answer will always be, oh, I love them so much. I love them so much. They are my favorite. Do you know that that's true about the most difficult people in your life? That they're his favorite, and so are you. That he loves them so much.
oftentimes we get in the way of what God is doing and not like, you know, I don't think that we impede because God is bigger than we are and he can move in every situation. But I think we get in the way of ourselves and seeing breakthrough in, in our lives and in people's lives because we forget to go to God about stuff. We forget to ask, how's the gospel applied in this situation? God, how can I see? What am I seeing differently than you? I think I shared this story already, so I apologize if I did. Um, but this was the most recent in my life where I had, um, you guys all know about our, our new puppy, Lainey. And she loves to let neighbors know that she's there um, with loud vocal abilities. And this one day, um, our neighbor came over and asked if we could try to do something about that. They have a young baby. And I was pretty, like, I felt really misunderstood. Like, I'm over here. I have paid hundreds of dollars for training. You have no, I'm not that person, okay? I'm not, we are not those people who are just gonna let our dog, like, and I was really nice about it, of course. and was like, absolutely. And inside, I'm dying a small death. Because <laughs> like, I hate the feeling of being misunderstood. And if I could only explain, then just understand. And, um, and I left. And literally for days, I was calling my mom and telling her the situation. Because I needed to like get that like support around me that I'm not wrong about this, right? Like comfort me. Tell me I'm, I'm okay. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm a good person. And God bless my husband. Um, after a little while, he said, Laura, I, um, I wonder if maybe you've asked the Lord um, what the situation might be. And it's not fun to hear that, <laughs> especially from someone who knows you very well and knows exactly, and in such kindness, he was saying, sweetie, you need to get over yourself here. But he asked me, I wonder if maybe the Lord sees this differently or if you could ask him. And I did. And I got over my pride and I said, okay, Jesus, help me. Um, and all of a sudden, like, I just gave up that worry of being misunderstood and realized there's another story beyond on the other side of that fence. So I brought them flowers and I wrote them a card and I, I talked about how I've been through the sleep training phase four times over with all of my kids and if I can support them in any way you know just to let me know and he came and knocked on our door um, a couple days later and he just opened up to me about how he had had a horrible experience in a condo building in Vancouver and uh, with this person who just literally didn't care and their dog just barked incessantly and it was really a traumatizing and, and anxiety filled situation for him and so he had spent weeks kind of coming up with how he was going to approach us and, you know, and, and, and so he did and he just, he was so scared, but he did it. And, and it was just like, it's such a small thing, right? It's such a small thing. But now because of that and because we just let go of feeling misunderstood or worrying and I let go of my own pride with the help of Jesus of just seeing beyond myself, um, we've become friends and we were able to understand one another. And now there's just relationship there. And I know that the Lord is at work in their lives. When you're in a situation this week, I want to encourage you to stop and reflect upon your life and how you're reacting in a moment. 
and ask yourself, God, how would you do this differently? Show me, are my attitudes out of line here? And allow the Holy Spirit to speak. Allow the truth of the gospel and the good news of the gospel to help that situation. Because I can promise you that when we do that, the solutions are so much better when they come from the Lord's heart than when we try to do things on our own. Because my own fears, my own anxiety, my own frustrations, all of that gets mixed up in there and then I'm making decisions that are very irrational and do not make a lot of sense to the rest of the world. But when we take a step back and we invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into everyday life, things begin to change. So I want to ask you, I know uh, many of you have heard the phrase WWJD. I'm bringing it back today, okay? What would Jesus do? How does the gospel apply to this situation? And remind us as believers to take time to remember the good news of the gospel and from where you have been saved. Because you and I had a death sentence. We don't deserve what we've been given. And God, in all of his grace, gave us Jesus. He gave us hope. Hope for eternity and hope for tomorrow. Does my faith in this situation reflect the truth about who God is? Is the gospel still daily good news in my life? What a beautiful thing it is. So we're just going to take some time to remember this morning. I'm going to invite Pastor Mike to come up and he'll lead us through the next um, moment of communion. And um, we're just going to wait, wait on the Lord and enjoy his presence. I'm going to invite everybody to stand together right now. And uh, we're going to pray, and uh, then there is going to be a worship response time, and communion is going to be woven into that together. Communion is a regular remembrance of Jesus. When Jesus initiated the first at the Lord's Supper, um, he said, do this in remembrance of me, not remembrance of your sin or how bad the world is. Remember him. Remember him. The reality is, you know, Laura shares this story about our neighbors and learning to adjust to just neighborhood dynamics. Uh, sometimes we find a new motive to be in the world who God's called us to be when we remember that in God's neighborhood, I was the problem neighbor, right? In God's neighborhood, you were the problem neighbor. And how did God respond? Oh, they're so entitled, they need to get over it. No, but when I remember the gospel, I realize I was the problem neighbor in his neighborhood, and what did he do? He opened his heart towards me. He came to me with gifts and love. Do you know why? Because God doesn't treat us according to our work. He treats us according to our worth. When you heard Laura say, why don't you ask God, how do you see people? And then she said, even the most awful people in your life, he loves them. They're his favorite. For some of us, that feels so hard and challenging to accept. Why? Because we've been conditioned to think about love in a performance-oriented world. 
Love happens when people deserve it. That's what the world says. God says no person can ever be perfectly deserving of love. But I don't love because of their performance, good or bad. I love because of their worth. I've created them. They matter. From the best to the worst. You see, when we come to the communion table, when we observe the cross, it's not tilted ground where some are better and some are worse. It's, an, it's a level playing field. Through Christ, God has treated us all according to our worth. And that's a relief. Because if he treated us according to our works, our, our bad works always outweigh the good ones we've done. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to prepare our hearts. Father, we receive today just the reminder to our souls of your message, that it's good news. It's not just the doorway into faith. It's the ongoing walking out of our faith. It's your message. It's your truth. You are with us and you're merciful, and we need you. Thank you for forgiving us and loving us and moving towards us when we were the bad neighbor in your world. And may this same gospel message, the unmerited favor we receive from you, may it flow from our lives towards others. Uh, I didn't come here uh, uh, up this moment planning to say this, but I even feel like right now there might be one or two or three people in the room or online, and the person you need to forgive is actually yourself. You're so aware of how undeserving you feel that you harbor a bitterness against yourself and it's turned into just a, a low-key loathing, self-loathing or hatred or just you obsess and regret. And if God has forgiven you, there's no greater forgiveness that's needed. Would you just allow yourself to forgive yourself? Today when you came in, I hope you received one of these little communion packets. If you've never used one before, you don't have to do this now, but I'm just going to give you the instructions. You peel off the top piece of cellophane and the crackers there, then you peel off the foil and the juice is there. The bread represents the body of Christ, which was broken for us. The juice represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for us. And in his death and resurrection, Easter, we have new life and new hope. Laura's going to lead us in worship, and today we're going to handle communion a little differently in that you all have this in the room at home. You're prepared as well. I want you during this worship segment now, when you are ready, to participate in communion. You may do it personally, or you might turn to your spouse and just say, could we sit and take this together and pray with each other or pray for each other? It's up to you to decide how you'd like to do this. But rather than all at once in this moment, just in the next five, six minutes as we worship together, find the moment where you're like, now, now is the right time for me to do it. Allow there to be meaning that wells in your soul before you take your communion today. Is that clear? So Laura's going to lead us into worship. You can choose to stand or sit, and you can choose when to participate in communion. Let's remember the Lord together. part of our gathering together to a conclusion. I'm going to ask um, Chris and Judy Geitenbeek and Aaron and Lisa Marie, if you wouldn't just mind, I know I'm calling on you right now, just, if you wouldn't mind coming up front here, making yourselves available on the sides, just to pray with anybody that needs prayer today. So if you could just come down right now. Maybe today there was something during worship, 
as you were beholding Jesus that you just thought, I, I need prayer for this, or I'd appreciate prayer for this. Or maybe something in the message spoke to your heart, or maybe it was even that sort of thought that came to me about, I'm somebody who needs to forgive myself, and that's a struggle. These are safe, great people that are part of our church family. They serve and lead in various ways. They would be so glad to pray for you today. As I close this time in prayer, you're going to be dismissed to go out if you're ready to, but Laura's going to just continue leading like she is right now for a little longer. That way people can come forward for prayer if they want to, or if you're just ready to, you're not in a rush to leave, you want to linger in worship, we're going to accommodate that for a little while here still. Maybe you want to sit and pray with somebody you came with as well. That's just fine. We're going to let this room be a room for prayer and worship. If you want to socialize and chat, just head to the lobby or outside, and that'll be great. I'll meet you there. Let me pray for you now. Father, I want to thank you for each person. You're at work doing good things in people's hearts. The gospel gives us hope for every moment and every circumstance because when things seemed at their worst, God was dead, it seemed. New life burst into a grave and you rose. And if you can conquer the grave, then there's hope and help for every circumstance and every person. For those that need to pray with somebody else or receive prayer, may this be a holy moment for them. For those who are just going to linger and continue in worship, meet them now, I pray. And as we go into your world on your mission this week, we declare our dependence upon you. We need you in all ways. Fill us spirit again in a fresh way so that we can love and share your truth in the world around us. We pray this now in your strong name. Amen. Amen. If you wish to stand and continue to sing and worship, you can do that. If you'd like to receive prayer, somebody here would love to pray with you today. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged you as you live out your faith in everyday life. Make sure to download our church app by typing Comox Pentecostal into Google Play or the App Store to enjoy more podcasts, Bible resources, giving options, and more.